This week on the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, dogs are having the worst week ever. We're going to be talking about Netflix's The Push, and we have a special guest, writer, director, and actor, Jay Turner. All that and more on this week's episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Busted Knuckle Studio right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. I'd be your host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to the second half of this flaky biscuit. That's right, I'm talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's honorable mention father of the year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. Give it up on old mic number four. It's Mojo! Every week I'm on a different microphone. How's that happen? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in once again to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. You can go to Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe there, give a listen, share your favorite episodes. You can also find us on Facebook at Southern Fry Philosophy. You can also find us on the webs at southernfryphilosophy.com. You can also find us at Twitter's and the Instagram at SFP Radio. And don't forget, which I usually do, youtube.com slash... SFP Radio. Atta boy. And listen, let, let me just stop right now. I, first, I want to say thanks to uh, Groundwork Common Coffee for our being our, our guest last week. Um, listen, you guys have really liked the show, the episode, so please, 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 when we release these things, just all you got to do is hit that little share little button on Facebook. Uh, that would be really fantastic if you could help us out just doing that. It, it literally would take what, like four seconds at the most if you're your dad yeah if you're my dad yeah yeah, it's like four seconds which by the way he's been sharing our sfp lens so hey buddy thanks cliffy (laughs) all right well i'm gonna ask you like i ever ask you every week mojo how you be darn oh man where do i start (laughs) you know what it's gotta be fired up this week whoa buddy parking lots Ooh, i hate parking these these new parking lots Mm mm-hmm they're, so, they're striped so damn close together. So close. I mean, you cannot pull anything but like a, a Fiat. The whole thing is designed for compact only. It is aggravating, man. I, hate I, pull, it. I pull in with, I, I, I drive a, a 350, F350. So. It, which is almost worse than like a Cadillac and a Lincoln combined. Yeah, I think I'd rather drive a Peterbilt with a trail, trailer on it because it's probably got a better turning radius than <laughs> You're my truck. Probably so. right. But yeah, it's just it, these, they're so, so tight. Small. And then the people get mad at me when I park beside them because mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, you don't know how to park. Number one, but number mm-hmm. two, these things are so close. What what happened? Who who decided that was a a great idea to shave like 18, 18 inches off each part? Each hey, buddy, spot? careful. I mean, just to get another. This is a family <laughs> show. Just to get another car in. I mean, it's just right. it's frustrating. And then a lot of these new developments. I mean, they're. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just so the parking lots themselves are so small mm-hmm. to where that you know you can't even really pull in you can't even pull in and pull out <laughs> even in my, in my wife's car yeah you know, it's just they're they're, they're just frustrating yeah so I hate them I do too I'm a I'm a big open lot guy like Sam's Club so. <laughs> right or right. just a field you know just yeah, give me an yeah. open field and let me park in there my lord you can't I mean there there is a such thing as space there's no point in fit, fitting 50 spaces in a in a place that probably only can hold 12 well it's it's becoming like the the airline of 
parking spaces. Sure. Oh, yeah. Just, just simply squeeze, squeeze an extra row in or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Even our church did that. You remember that we did the, mm-hmm. uh, what, a year ago, whatever, we did the spring come out and freshen up the facelift of the church, and, yep. and all of a sudden they resprayed it, painted the, the lines, <laughs> and it was like you could fit a bicycle in it. Yeah. So, yeah. Everybody just bike to church day yep. is what it's become. Yep. Go yeah, green. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. I like to have my room, especially because I like to open my door all the way yeah. so I could get in. Yeah. So I'm not like sucking it in and trying to barely get right. in. So yeah, come on now. But also, you know, kids are not that observant, mm-hmm. so kids are going to sure. bang your doors up. So yep. yeah, I mean, granted, I'm, I guess I get my steps on the pedometer every day by walking <laughs> the extra length I have to. Uh, but yeah, it's just so frustrating. There's there's places I don't even frequent anymore because I cannot park in their parking lot. Or you have to park like a mile away just just to feel comfortable. That or I have to get there like right when they open oh, yeah. or like right when they close and places vacated. But mm-hmm. I can never. I have to plan my trips in my truck, which is crazy. Wow. So it's anyway these these parking lots around here are just frustrating. I mean, I, I don't know who the who came up with the idea of that, but you, mm. you guys are a moron. Now, I'm going to say this. You own a motorcycle shop, mm-hmm. so why don't you just use the motorcycle to go places now? Well, I sold mine. Oh. <laughs> so. Well, there goes that. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to upgrade the old uh, blue turd to a golf cart mm. and just, you know, put around town with that thing. We can, I can find you one. Hey, buddy. I got your connection. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know where you live out here in downtown. Yeah. I mean, why not? Dude, I would love that. Yeah, I'll get you like a speaker set on it or something like mm. that. Jam your, jam your tunes. Pimp my golf cart. Play some 1980s Petra. <laughs> <laughs> some old ACDC or Striper. Audio Adrenaline. Yeah, one of one of the two. That's right. <laughs> Those don't go well together. No. Oh man. So, so how you be doing? I'm good. Can I just tell you this? I I'm so tired of already. It's three days, and my wife has picked out drapes for the house. Um, and and they weren't the right length or the right color or the right size or whatever. And and it's just drapes. Please understand, it is just drapes. Pieces of fabric. Yeah. Pieces of fabric. My house feels like a construction crew is in the living room and has camped out there for a good solid five days now. It is turned upside down. Couches are moved up again, you know, away from the wall. We have a vacuum cleaner in the middle of the floor that hasn't been moved in four days. I'm like, do we? Can we move this now? No. I gotta I gotta vacuum when when we put it all back. So basically, you're describing a typical Tuesday at my house. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Minus the Legos in the floor with bare feet. Maybe that's it. What? Like, she's got to get these drapes like she likes them. And, and man, I tell you what, it is is a disaster zone in that house. Yeah, women and their home decorating. And um, that's one reason I'm glad we don't have HGTV on our TV anymore. Oh, yeah. Because it it would always end up in a a project of some sort. So. Mm -hmm. you know, like the fabrics, the drapery, the we got to reupholster this, or we got to you know paint this for the third time. I mean, so um, I, I pity you because yeah. I luckily I haven't had that, that experience here lately. But I do pity you. But it's so. just drapes, y'all. Like how difficult big, is that? Evidently, it's a big decision. So, yeah, I, we uh, once you get some like funeral home drapes, a dark, dank. <laughs> Hey, listen, there were big cloth ones that we bought there. with the house, mm-hmm. but oh, we got to lighten it up. We got to air it out. And the good thing about drapes, they're not cheap either. Oh, no. Mm. And when you when you have to order them because of the length from, 
i.e. Target or what have you, sure. to take like, oh, it's going to be four more days right. for them to come in. Well, let's just keep everything like it is until right. then. Uh, it's just frustrating. Yeah, my wife would, you know, she'd get the idea, oh, I'm just going to sew my own. Mm. We should go buy the, <laughs> the linen or the, or the cloth for it, <laughs> and then the cloth would just sit in the corner for eight <laughs> to nine months. So, no. yeah. So uh, I, uh, the drape thing, it, yeah. I just, I, just, I, I pretty much have my wife convinced I just hate drapes, and yeah. it's just for the sole sake that that's probably. I accurate. don't, yeah, I don't want. I mean, I, I don't mind them. I could care less, right. you know. But uh, I just don't want to see the house destroyed for twelve months. Yeah, you know. So, especially you know, having kids and them playing with the cloth or <laughs> setting things on fire, you know, making making ghosts out of the you know cutting eyes <laughs> and making ghosts. I mean, yeah, so I, I'm glad we don't have that problem right now. So. There you go. Speaking of, uh, let's talk about some wacky news. As I mentioned on the intro, it is not a good day for dogs. This is um, out of Idaho. Hmm, That should tell us something already. A teacher under investigation after allegedly feeding a puppy to a snapping turtle. Yeah, I read that one, and that is just uh, Mm. pretty... Morbid. I mean, <laughs> what else? I mean, what was, what was the experiment here? I, there was no experiment. Um, he, it, just he just don't like puppies? I, I guess so. It went, it went a little bit like this. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a uh, Ohio teacher um, that made the quote-unquote re- regrettable decision by allegedly feeding a live turtle to a dog. There was a, a junior high teacher... Um, that he was a science teacher, reportedly fed the puppy to a snapping turtle. Um, it occurred well after the students had been <laughs> dismissed and was not part of any school-directed uh, well, program. Good, good for that. So the kids weren't there. Um, but I guess the old snapping turtle was a little hungry. And where did you get the puppy from? Like, mm-hmm. I, that, that is not answered in this, this article at all. Um, but he was a really cool teacher. And here's where I, I kind of come up with this. One former student said, I loved his class because he had turtles and snakes and other cool things. Let me so, just... I wanted to go out on a limb. This is probably not the first time he's actually fed mm. something like a dog or a cat right. to one of these creatures, I bet you. Um, here's the thing. <clears throat> Y'all, let me just settle down. Everybody pay attention. Um, if you own a snake, there's just something wrong with you. <laughs> if you own a snake as a pet... And, and I don't know, have you ever owned a snake as a pet? No. Well, because you're sane. I mean, that's I, I basically. Would, I probably would have owned one in my younger years, but then I just don't like cleaning up after animals. So, mm. but yeah. But a snake. It's a phase I think people go through, and some people just get I, stuck in it. Oh man, he he had snakes and other cool things in his class, so he decided I'm gonna like. At what point do you say, well, this? And, and I didn't even know snapping turtles ate puppies. Like, what are you doing to that turtle that makes him want to eat a puppy? Well, snapping turtles are a, uh, I mean, they're a bottom feeder type creature. So how many how many puppies are at the bottom though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, uh, you, you've seen those some of the videos of people throwing them in the river, but no, um, I mean they'll, they'll eat anything. I mean they're just God like they're like the bear. they're like the uh, pigs of the of the river or creek. <laughs> I, <sighs> snapping turtles are vicious. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those bad boys. I've seen one. Yeah. They, they don't look pretty. No, they're not pretty, and they're not. Mm-mm. They're a little hangry all the time. <laughs> they look hangry yeah. all the time. 
It's like my wife past six o'clock. Hey, careful. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So, yeah, I just can't get behind that. No, no. I'm, I'm sure. No. Here's the ironic thing is he'll probably be charged and probably receive more time than the average person who commits a serious felony maybe i bet you maybe. i bet you money well i mean it doesn't sound like anything's going to happen to him they just kind of blew it off and said wait, well he won't do it again wait till the humane society or PETA gets involved mm-hmm. I, I bet you there's gonna be something that happens with this I, i'm there'll be pressure you know mm. puppies live puppy lives matter or something i i, I you know how far left we got to go we got to run oh, to yeah. the extreme of things now so yeah. i guarantee this guy will probably see some jail time or max fines or com- community service at the pound or mm-hmm. Something. Yeah, maybe. Snapping Turtle Reserve. I, I don't know. What do you think they're going to give to United Airlines? Do you think they're going to get behind that? What's that? So there was a dog died in the overhead bin at a United Air, Airline, United flight. Oh, wow. Do you, have you not heard about I this one? I have not heard about there that. There is now another one Jeez. where United <laughs> United um, – they it's it's sad it really is they the lady brought the the puppy on the plane had a, a pet cargo thing for them that they're supposed to have mm-hmm. them in and the the um, stewardess told her to put it up in the overhead companion or the overhead bin compartment yeah. compartment and they're supposed to go underneath the seat and the dog was yapping and and kind of stuff up in the overhead bin and it was like a three hour flight and halfway through like you don't hear nothing else from the dog. She she they land at about eleven o'clock at night, open up the bin, dead dog. Uh civil lawsuit is gonna happen. Mm. I mean, you know that. Yeah. Um probably Gloria Allred will probably trot her uh, Botoxed face up to the media <laughs> and probably sue the pants off United. So United has not had a lustrous two years, man. Here's I mean, <laughs> here's the Here's my reaction to to the PR guy that that uh, that has united. He, he he comes in the office. Hey, do you, um, Steve, did you turn on the news today? <laughs> no, no. What happened? You're not going to want to do this. <clears throat> he turns on the news. I quit. I'm out. <laughs> I can't keep you guys from doing stupid stuff. I bet you the PR guy would rather talk about passengers being beaten up than a, <laughs> than a puppy dying. I, I I will be willing to back because you know what people can tolerate. Another person being beat up, but when it comes to an animal, mm-hmm. they lose their ever living mind. So, I, I mean, the only worst PR job you can have right now is the White House. That's the only. It's you're either an airline yeah. or the White House PR right. guy. Yep. I just, mm, I mean, they they killed another dog this time last year. They they pulled the guy off of the uh, the plane like less than a year ago. Right. I mean, y'all. They're not letting emotional peacocks come on. Yeah, those cockatoos yeah. are out, baby. Yeah, they're out. So, yeah, the airline industry, uh, fly at your own risk, y'all. I guess. So. Y'all. And I feel bad. The lady, like, opened it up, and she was carrying a newborn, mm. and then the puppy's dead. There's pictures of her just sitting in the aisle, bawling her eyes out, rocking this dead dog as a little French bulldog, mm. just, like, crying her eyes out, and... <clears throat> Um, United came back and said that they're going to have to look at the settling at this point because normally the process would be whatever the value of the dog is. Right. Well, that that's an old uh, thing that they used to use, but now I mean they're going to have to they're going to have to shell out some money on oh, this. That's one. bad social media PR. Oh yeah. Um, there's something called boarding places for pets. I mean, I don't know why you'd have to take your dog with you. Yeah, I don't on know. a plane. I mean uh, that. I mean, I understand some people need to, or mm-hmm. like emotional support dogs or whatever. But right. um, if you're just trying to take your little, you know, pocketbook dog or whatever with you, 
to go see grandma. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, either A, drive like normal people would, or mm-hmm. B, get a boarding place. I mean, they're not that expensive. So. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Understand. There is, <clears throat> I'm not going to name names, but there is somebody that my wife works with that has this little dog, and mm-hmm. she's got a purse that looks like a normal purse. Mm-hmm. But there's like a little compartment that this little dog sits in. And we were eating dinner one night, and she puts this purse on the table, opens the little pocket, and the little dog's head pops out. I didn't even know the dog was there the whole time. She takes that dog everywhere she goes. But and the dog is like perfect though. Like it behaves really well, mm. just sits there and then she'll like go out to like like for a smoke break, but it'd be like a dog really you know, mm-hmm. pee break. But like takes the dog everywhere. That's incredible. Call me a jerk, but I, I can't stand that. Because I, I see it all the time in grocery stores, too. People, well, people yeah. like just, you know, over in the deli aisle. Oh, no. Ordering, ordering yeah. a pound of turkey, mm-hmm. holding their uh, little wiener dog. Mm-hmm. You know, no. I, I don't get it. Like, I'm against I, that. I can see stores like Home Depot, Lowe's. I still can't see Pet, that. PetSmart. I, I got you on that one. PetSmart, or whatever it Whichever is. Whichever one you want to call uh, it. Yeah, I could see that. But, man, like in a grocery store, I've seen people bring them into church before. Mm-mm. I've seen... Bars, restaurants. So have like, I don't get it. I, yeah, unless it's like something there for PTSD, right? Or you're blind, right? Or you can't hear the dog interprets for you. <laughs> I think the dog needs to be left. The at dog's home. doing sign and I, language, and I, and I love dogs. Sure, yeah. But there's a place for them. Yeah, and if you have to have a animal with you twenty four seven, it's mm. called find a friend. <laughs> Go to Craigslist. Strictly platonic. <laughs> Need someone who's furry, wet nose, and mm. then you know, bam, you got a friend. So I tell you, I, I don't understand. Like, I'm, and we've got some people, we've got some friends that own bars, sure, that allow their like a, a, encourage you to bring your dog. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Well, it's the trend. I, I mean, it, those places I don't mind. Just number one's concrete. The, the dogs have to be obviously well trained. Or yeah. you know, potty breaked or whatever, because, but you know people will do it when they're oh, not. I agree, I agree, and that that kind of ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if all of a sudden you got a little fight over there, mm-hmm. taking a leak in the oh, corner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's, it <laughs> it can be kind of disgusting if it's if it's improperly done. But Here, the ones carrying it, carrying around the dog like a baby, I just don't get. I don't get behind it. Yeah, so. I, I'd much rather it be in some type of of purse, so, sure. and I don't see it. Then, then it just hanging out. But here's the here's the positive though. I thought about it at, at the bar. You you could pee on the floor and just blame it on the dog. Yeah, there, so there there's that positive. But uh, also, um, I'm surprised that most of these dogs are actually surviving a woman's purse because if you think the dog su- suffocated in that compartment, oh, yeah, I, my, there would be no dog that would survive my wife's purse. I mean, <laughs> it, You're it's right. it's like a bug out bag. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it's got everything. Yeah. in it. I mean. I don't know. You hurt your knee. You need a drink. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's all there. So I don't know how a dog would survive with that thirty five pounds of crap in it. Yeah. So, but it's like it's. I mean, it's legit. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's really. It's actually. Oh, my cool. wife, I kind of wish I was. In I it. think my wife has a book uh, checkbook in there from nineteen ninety seven. You know, for like <laughs> one of her bank accounts. <laughs> so they never throw anything away. We don't even have this account anymore. Yeah. When I, did we live in Ohio? That was, <laughs> I, I forgot. I changed my maiden name. Yeah, so. Yeah. 
It's uh, yeah, they keep all kinds of stuff in there, mm. even right. dogs, even dogs. All right, so that was uh, wacky news brought to you by Webmerized. If you need a clean, crisp new website, go check out our friends at webmerized.com. You can check them out. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the push from Netflix. Push, <laughs> we'll be right back. You're push. listening to the Southern Pride Philosophy podcast. Ah, push it. Do you know it takes a customer three seconds to decide whether to stay or leave your website? That's why a crisp, clean, and user-friendly website is one of the best ways to market and help and grow your business. At Webmerized Web Design, we offer that and much more. They pride themselves in offering their clients professional websites at affordable prices. Are you a small business? No problem. We can cater to small businesses by working with their clients every step of the way to meet their needs and expectations. Their number one goal is to partner with their clients to help and grow their business with a successful website. They work for every client, no matter the size. So if you'd like a great website, go to webmerize.com, W-E-B-M-E-R-I-Z-E-D.com, or you could check out their link on the sponsors link of our website. If you mention the word Biggin, you'll get 10% off your website design order. Again, webmerize.com. Check We're back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. All right, so let me uh, let me say a disclaimer here. There's going to be some spoiler alerts. Um, so if you have not seen the Netflix show The Push, you'll you'll want to tune out for I don't know the next ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um, or uh, just pause it. Uh, and then go watch it right now. We'll be back when you come back, so don't worry about that. And then uh, just hit pause and then watch it. It's about an hour long, and then you can come back and then just hit play, and boom, here we go. So uh, the Netflix show Push, um, the basic premise is can they take an average person and manipulate a social situation to get you to murder somebody? Hmm. That sounds... um, that sounds pretty ominous. Ominous, yeah. And you would think, oh no, that's not at all possible. <laughs> but actually, they they construct a, a pretty elaborate situation with different actors and things that are happening, uh, putting people in, putting yeah, putting people into situations where it's it's not so far fetched that it could actually happen. So you would think, oh no, I would never, I would never murder somebody. <clears throat> Well, let's let's back up. Let's talk about yeah. this guy named Darren Brown. Okay, he's a he's not well known here in the states. Right, he's a, a British guy, illusionist and um, a mentalist, and uh, he is he's very famous for like mind control, mm-hmm. you know, TV shows, and uh, just anything dealing with like mentalism or mentalist tricks mm-hmm. and illusionist tricks on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy has had. Just a normal, uh, an enormous success, 
um, with that. And he's got a proven track record. He knows, he knows, I think he knows the psychology and sociology. So mm-hmm. this isn't just some show where some halfwit who inter, who introduced or uh, interviewed for right. a job on like through, <laughs> through Facebook ad or whatever. And he all of a sudden came up with a show. I mean, right. this guy has some serious street cred as far as, uh, uh, what what he does his specialty yeah so. so think of it almost like a mix between like a ryan seacrest and like a david blaine almost like almost yeah, he looks almost like the, to that situation yeah but he looks like the guy from midnight oil i don't know if you remember the lead singer from midnight oil bald <laughs> or right said fred but it's right. but a skinnier version right so. <laughs> right said fred we're gonna go with right said fred on that one <laughs> just think of my bald all right so. okay gotcha all right so um all right. Did, was there any more? Or no, that, no, no. I'll just kind of give you this guy, this guy, Darren Brown, the host. I mean, he's – I've watched some of his stuff on like on YouTube because we don't obviously get the series here. This is right. like, probably one of his first series that I've actually seen okay. here without illegally streaming it. <laughs> we might right. cut that out. But um, <laughs> but he, the guy's a genius. I mean, yeah. he, 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 his stage presence uh, behind the camera also is just amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he, he – not only does he just show you the trick – uh, he gives you the breakdown of the psychology of which yeah. I kind of enjoy since I like I like the, the science of sociology and psychology. So yeah. He, anyway, I just find him fascinating. Yeah. So the opening scene of of the show, the push, is a um, a, a rehearsed situation where these this gentleman calls a like a, a coffee, shop, coffee shop, like a Starbucks or whatever, and then gets the barista to basically put push a baby uh, in a stroller outside and basically kidnap a kid. Right. And you say, well, how in the world is that possible? Well, the guy calling said that he was a inspector or a detective right. um, from, from that area. And that the, the, the mother is a well-known uh, child. Oh, abductor. Kidnapper, yeah. yeah. And then being able to get the kid out of, out of the, um, the, the Starbucks or the coffee shop. So it, it didn't take much convincing. Either. No, not at all. Yeah, and I mean, he immediately believed it just because he kind of talked with a uh, authentic. Um, what was the word I'm thinking it, of? A like, cop, like a just, legit, legitimate, you know, uh, person of law enforcement, someone who who had authority. Cr- yeah, authority. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just it spiraled pretty quickly. I don't think it probably took more than ten minutes. I guarantee oh, no. you, yeah, to convince this guy. Yeah, but you know when you know. Uh, Given that barista the benefit of the doubt, I mean, if you hear a call like that and all of a sudden oh, yeah. you hear a child, child's a sizzle word. I mean, yeah. and now if you were to put the same scenario with an elderly adult, now this person kidnapped, you may not, you may think twice, but a kid obviously right. pulled at the strings. And, um, but you know, even the guy said, Hey, I feel uncomfortable about this, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he still did it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, the whole premise of the push is that they're trying to get, uh, the, the person, the, the person they're trying to dupe, mm-hmm. to push an old man off the ledge of a building. Right. Um, so I guess overall, like, what are your what are your thoughts of just overall the show? Um, the show is a, I guess, more of a dramatized. I mean, I think it was fantastic as far mm-hmm. as how it was put together. I didn't think mm-hmm. I was going to like it at first because it. I, I, I'm when I saw the title and saw the clip on trailer, I was like, "Oh, right. this is another one of these re- stupid reality like, like uh, American Ninja, but you know <laughs> something just because the way the set looked." Right. Um, but then after you, you recommended, I did watch it, and it, it was fantastically put together. Yeah. Um, it's back in the seventies, seventy one, seventy four. There was two experiments. Yeah. Was I was going to go to yeah, that. There's one called Stanford Prison Experiment, yes. uh, where. Uh, 
professor took students and uh, signed them, okay, hey, you're going to be a guard, you're going to be an uh, inmate, you're going to be mm-hmm. a guard, inmate, and basically see who can manipulate mm-hmm. the, the outcome. And it fell pretty much in, in with the prediction. There's also another study called the Milgram study mm-hmm. or Milgram experiment. Yep. Um, that happened um, around, I think, 74. And I that think was, it was actually. 61, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. And um, that was from Yale University. Mm-hmm. And this one is probably one of the first ones that, you know, is actually studied in a controlled setting. Basically, you had an anonymous person. You had a, a anonymous person, A, and then you had a. Uh, one of the students or a professor, and then you had someone in a closed room, a quote unquote closed room, and then you'd had the professor basically set it up as, all right, we're, we're going to control this. You're going to shock this person mm-hmm. um, in different levels, increase it, and see how much pain tolerance. And basically, mm-hmm. they've tried quite a number of people uh, to see who would actually basically kill this person through electrocution. Mm-hmm. And it's shockingly how many people actually followed this. Yeah. So it's just an interesting. Um, study, like I said, of the, the psychology, but also the sociology. And then, now this one, but the push is more a group think. Mm-hmm. And, yep. or, you know, would, would you follow the group? And yep. It starts out very sim- uh, simple with uh, who stands up and who sits down during yeah, the Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So so how they got the, the people that they picked to do it, they uh, had at four actors in a, in a um, room. And then I think it's like 16 chairs or something like that. 16 chairs, yeah. And then every time the, a bell would ring, these actors would stand up and sit down. Well, then they would bring in one of the, the non-actors and then see if they would do the same thing. And then they would bring in another actor and see if they would do the same thing. And then how whoever did not stand up and sat down, not they were out. Yeah. They, were, they, they kicked them out of the – So thing. all of a sudden that, that set the precedent that if you don't sit up and stand up or sit – if you don't stand up or sit down during the uh, bell, mm-hmm. then you will be removed, and you didn't know what was happening after that. Right. So people, by group, they started doing that. Yeah. And eventually, they replaced the the actors with just a whole whole <laughs> row of, of regular people. And right. And they, people and, were sitting up yeah, and sitting out, and continue. nobody told them to stand up or sit down. No. So it was just like you said, the whole group thing takes over. Yeah. 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 It it but it. Continue with the show, but I have some more thoughts on group think. Yeah. So, so one the first thing, and that's kind of how they pick the the four people. Now, let me even go back. Do you think the show was real, or do you think it was fake? Um, I think it's real, just based off the history and context, mm-hmm. so like the, these, like the Milgram experiment, the Stanford Prison. Yeah. There's been other experiments out there, but the the, the Milgram and St- uh, Stanford Prison were probably two of the most prominent ones mm-hmm. that um, just were basically self-contained and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think it was pretty legit. I think it was – obviously, they had a bigger budget than the, <laughs> right. than the Milgram experiment, right. but um, I, I, I do believe. Yeah, in this in this uh, show, there was like 70 actors that were, were in there to try to make this group thing possible. So, um, But so the, also judging by the faces of the people that are actually participating mm-hmm. that didn't know they were participating, mm-hmm. just the, their, their expression yeah. after you know the result, yeah. I, I think it had to be legit. Well, yeah, and then uh, it, the show follows the main guy, Chris, who probably isn't the smartest <laughs> smartest guy in the room. But um, anyway, so that follows him through uh, these different things that, that he goes through. And and just by his reaction, I would think, like you said, like that it, that it is real. And the other thing, too, like this was done in 2016, mm-hmm. and I would think that at this point somebody out of that cast of 70 would have came back to say, yeah, this was fake, yeah. everybody knew about it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think but, this is Pawn, store, pawn Stars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pawn Stars real. Yeah, so. I've done some research. I didn't see anything where it, yeah. it, they said that it was fake. So 
Yeah, I think, so it, I, think, I think it's legit. So the first thing that they asked uh, Chris to do was to uh, put vegetarian flags on sausage rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, to And that would be what they call the foot-in-the-door experiment to see if he would do something like that to kind of, you know, get the get the foot in the door they said it's like a small wedge to to do something that isn't going to hurt somebody but you know just something that's questionable so sure. so would you would you do that piece if you were in that situation oh no i mean you, you wouldn't know, do that no because i've been in the restaurant business and you you realize <laughs> law, lawsuits but also people have uh you know maybe religious restrictions dietary mm-hmm. restrictions i just don't want to offend anyone or make them sick so i mean but you know the but like the i think the guy on the show said no one's gonna know they wouldn't know but you would know yeah so yeah um i I personally wouldn't but so the first one you would not do i i I probably wouldn't but then i may here's here's honestly probably what i would do i would probably eat them all anyway (laughs) that's where i would go. go um all right so and then the next thing that he was the guy chris was asked to do was just to pick up, there's a benefactor that was there in this auction, and that was kind of the whole setup of this thing. It was an auction. Uh, he's, he picked up his briefcase. He walked him around um, when it wasn't even his job. His whole purpose of being there was to network with a bunch of these uh, these high-profile people for his company. Mm-hmm. So for Chris, would you have picked up the briefcase and just basically been at the benefactor's beck and call? Probably so, yeah. I mean, because, you know, obviously his angle was, I'm a networker, I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I'm a small business guy. Yeah, I mean, I probably yeah. would have, yeah. Um, so then what happens is the benefactor then has a heart attack, and he is uh, on the floor. Um, then the next thing is to move the body. He was asked to move the body. Would you have moved the body at that point? I don't know, but you know, once again, if you're in that deep, mm-hmm. you know, um, who knows? But I would hope I would say no. <laughs> there was supposed to be like a hundred or a couple of hundred people coming in for this auction. This dude is sprawled out dead in the middle of the floor. I, I don't know. I think for me, the legal part of it would be like, and I've watched way too many CSIs <laughs> to say they're going to know that I moved the body, and I'm going right. to have like some type of hair on me that they're going to get. Right. But that was like the first major thing, like to move the body. Mm-hmm. And so Chris moved the body. So that, that, and uh, Darren was like, all right, that's pretty much when they know that they've got him. So then the next part is he had to give a speech um, in front of all these people pretending he's the benefactor. Uh, at that point is where I really thought it was real because that Joker got red as could be. Like he was just sweating on the spot at that point. Yeah. Um, so, but he was pretending to be the other guy. Would you have given the speech to save? this auction to go to charity and also say like, it's supposed to raise like $5 million to go to charity for children. Would you have given probably, a speech? I'd probably have to give an emphatic hell no, just because uh, <laughs> I can't even stand talking on this podcast sometimes because I hate hearing myself. But I, I couldn't imagine doing that in front of people, strangers. Uh, I probably would have done that just to save, to save that. I would have, you know, well, it depends. If it was in probably a room full of like Swedish bikini models, okay, I would probably. That's do that. probably when I would freak out. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, no, probably not. I just pretend I was speaking Spanish. <laughs> I'm learning Italiano, by the <laughs> way, right. so I'll try that. Um, all right, so then the, this is where it really starts escalating. Is they had to move the body out, which, by the way, did you notice 
what the guy's name was. Bernie. Bernie. Weekend, Bernie. weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> weekend at Bernie's. At some point, they put shades on him. I saw that. And he's like, why do you put shades on him at nighttime? And then he accidentally bid on an item that was going through. Like, how do you not know? Like, I would have, I don't, part of it, that's the part that I'm like, probably would fake. You know, that, like. Burning, it is like know. weekend at Burning. You couldn't catch it, yeah. I yeah, don't, I don't know, but it was that part. I was, I had a hard time swallowing yes. that part. But. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you're not going to know if you're in a TV show or not. Yeah, um, but anyway, so they had to move the body, and then they were asked to kick the body because it made him look like he had a heart attack and fell down the stairs. So at that point, I'm pretty pretty sure your your answer would be no. But would you have kicked the body? No, because um, that that's where. It, is you've actually committed a crime, mm-hmm. I think, is once you've... Well, I mean, actually, you can be charged with abusing the person after death. I can't remember that exact term, mm-hmm. but yeah, mm-hmm. I, at least in at least in American law, English yeah. law, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a clue, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, messing with a dead body, basically, yeah, yeah. I, I have no desire to do that. Yeah. Um, and then, then it comes to the push. And so there was a lot of events that came up to him. He, he wasn't really dead. Then he's up up on the roof, and he's about, you know, he's smoking a cigarette on the ledge. Mm-hmm. He, he's irate. And then the the people that they're following at this point, Chris starts to uh, – they, they want him to, to push him off the ledge. Because they're, they're trying to sell him that there's going to be a huge lawsuit. He's going to be put in prison for what he's done. Right. So, yep. yeah, there was some, you know – yeah. Some hard pills to swallow there, and a bunch of the the, the people there were screaming like, "You got to do this," you know. And then in, in the background, they had all those famous people saying, "Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever yeah. it takes." So at that point, would you have pushed them? I don't. I still don't think I could. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that's the reason why I I don't have a job with anybody else. That's the reason why I'm self employed is because I don't follow. Groups, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't yeah. work well with people. Right? Yeah. Um, in fact, this is probably the best thing that's ever worked out for me. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I, I don't work well with those others sometimes. I don't play in the same sandbox. So yeah. I, I don't think I could. But also, just to kind of give this, these yeah. people a little more uh, credibility of why they did this. I mean, this was hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. of building up to this. Yeah. I mean, it was, like you said, it was small steps. Um, also, the propaganda. Constantly playing in the background, whatever it takes, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. I mean, yeah. um, I forgot the psychology, but I think if you hear something 42 times in a certain amount of time, that it actually gets into the cerebral cortex and, you know, you actually, it becomes part of your thought. Really? So um, that's the reason why people have phrases that um, they may finish a sentence with or um, you notice they close up a conversation with um, or, you know, like, tell me about it. Yeah, because they've heard it so many times, and then all of a sudden they start to use it. So mm. there's a psychology behind that. There's a reason why they use that propaganda spill. So we need to use Southern Pride philosophy yeah, just, 42 times just during this hour. During the hour, yeah. All right, um, I man. I, honestly, or, or, or like, or like the prosperity preachers send me a thousand dollars. Just keep repeating that over and over. Yeah, I, I would like to say that I wouldn't do it. Um, but man, I tell you what, I I wouldn't do it. But it would be it would be tough to to pull out. And I think like I would be like Chris. Like at some point, I, I don't even know if I would move the body at that point. But at some at some point, Chris walks away, and it's like he was the one guy that that did walk away. But they fought. They had four other or three other people that did it. Uh, went through the same experiment, and three out of four people pushed him. Right. Like those odds. I think that's got to be blown out of proportion, don't you? 
Like three out of four people would have pushed him? I don't Based off the Milgram study, I think like almost a 90% of rating wow. actually people would actually shock the person to death yeah. in a controlled study. Wow. And of course, there was no person on the other end. That was being, it was actually just a, right. a voice in a yeah. closed room. But yeah, I think probably three out of four, nine out of 10. I mean, I think those rate, I think those rates are pretty, pretty on track right. there. So on that um, Stanford experiment, there were 24 kids. They were broken down. Uh, 12 um, were prison guards, 12 were prisoners. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to last two weeks. Yes. Over spring break. And it went five days and they had to call it. Yeah. Cause it was just, it was just getting so out of hand. So um, w- one thing that I didn't think about, but if you were a prosecutor, would you prosecute them for attempted murder? Oh, on the show? On the show. I'm probably, I'm sure locally they had some waivers and stuff they signed, you know. But in their minds, yeah. right? Yeah. It was attempted murder. Sure. They could have killed and See, that's, that's one thing I had a problem with the show, mm-hmm. and also these experiments too, mm-hmm. is because you're actually taking someone down to basic yeah. human instinct, you know, where – you have you lack all you you subtract empathy you subtract sympathy you track those, those emotions that you build up over a lifetime mm-hmm. you're taking all those out you're breaking yeah. us back down to basic Neanderthal caveman instinct yeah. where we're, we're we're looking for just survival plain mm-hmm. survival and that's the reason why these people could be convinced because if you don't do it you're going to jail you're not going to see your family mm-hmm. and um, yeah you break down a basic human thing so. Um, it's almost like a minority report thing. Mm-hmm. This person is capable mm-hmm. of committing murder. Yeah. Maybe we should take them off the streets yeah. type thing. That's what scares me hmm. about, about studies I like think this. About that. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you, you can show that they may have intent in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be a, a legal issue where they decide they're going to, yeah. they're going to prosecute. Yeah. I mean, it, in their minds, they killed a man. Right. And could you imagine? Or attempted to kill a man. Yeah, yep. attempted to kill a man. Uh, could you imagine like having to live with them, or like if that was your family member or your boss? Like, hmm, I, I agree. Know? I agree. But also, how about the person who actually did it? They broke them down yeah. so much. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just pop out. Oh, you're on, you know, TV show. I mean, it's a little different. It's not a candid camera where you know something funny and humorous. I mean, it was right. This is something where you actually. Like you said, you actually push the person over and try to kill them. Yeah. Um, How do you live with that? I, hopefully they offer therapy afterwards, you know, mm. or hypnosis or something, because that's that's some serious stuff, man. Yeah. That's, something you gotta, that's something you don't sleep off. Yeah. So um, there's – how what I want to talk about was yeah. that th- there's this is interesting, this hive mind or mm-hmm. this group think. There's – maybe go back on Netflix or um, – one of the other apps or whatever, and look up this. There's a movie called The Wave. Now, it's a German movie, and it's in subtitles. No oh boy. But it is probably one of the best put-together movies as far as this whole sociology, mm-hmm. psychology of groupthink. Mm-hmm. And basically, the movie is it's several years old now. Uh, but it's basically starts with, in, German, in Germany, where um, modern-day kids, millennials, are talking about that the Third Reich would never happen in their day and time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there would never be a Hitler they were in their, in their daytime because right. they're too smart. They're too further along. Yeah. And it started out with just a, a social experiment where mm-hmm. um, this this teacher says, all right, we're going we're gonna to start and see how, how this just one hand gesture, a, a wave, can move through the school. 
well, this one wave took over. Now, this is granted, this is a movie, mm-hmm. but it's based off sociology and science. So, mm-hmm. um, this one hand gesture led into basically the whole school falling into compliance with this, this and them forming their own group and their, them having this hive mind and group think. Mm-hmm. Now, let's fast forward and look at today, today's events. Yeah. Antifa, the school walkout today. Mm-hmm. Um, even our MAGA. A lot of people that scream MAGA, and they may not know what Donald Trump, you know, policies are and what they're going to do to you, but they're always MAGA. I mean, but I have go no back idea to what MAGA is. Make America Great Again. Oh, the Trumpkins. Gotcha. Um, but look at look at the school walkout today. Yeah, prime example. Yeah, now, exactly. Uh, t- oh, that's a good point. Yeah, today's uh, March fourteenth, and today they uh, organized nationwide. I don't know how great it was, mm-hmm. but some of the major liberal. States, there was a probably big, a big turnout. But mm-hmm. basically, for 17 minutes, they, the students walked out of high schools and middle schools all across the country for one uh, for each minute. One minute represented one person that lost their life in Parkland mm-hmm. in the Parkland shooting. Mm-hmm. Now, for 17 minutes, they walked out. Um, number one, if it was me trying to really make a statement, I would have walked out for 17 days. You know, because <laughs> right. I mean, 17 minutes really. I mean. Yeah, you can't even get to McDonald's by that time. A lot of those kids being interviewed had really no clue they were walking out against gun violence. Mm -hmm. Well, we're all against gun violence. Right. But how do we achieve that? They couldn't – no one knew the agenda, ultimate agenda on this. It was just a propaganda thing. They heard – they kept hearing this one guy who organized it, the David Hogg, I believe, and they kept hearing it over and over just like in this this experiment Mm -hmm. on uh, the push where whatever it takes. They kept hearing it over and over and over through social media, through the news, and they followed. They had no clue what it was about. Now, once again, I I told my daughter if she participated today that um, there would be severe consequences. Number one, she had no clue what it was about. Mm -hmm. Um, But if she did, just because people were doing it and followed along that – I would lose respect for her because she's not she's not a sheep. Mm-hmm. She doesn't follow just to be followed. I mean, she she thinks on her own. But I'd say ninety percent of these kids had no clue while they were walking out. And to be fair, like if if your daughter actually did the research and actually believed that, then it would be maybe a different story. Yeah, I would have no problem right. with that because um, I want her to think on her own. We, right. She may not agree with me on things. I mean, I, I think luckily we've taught her to to be an independent thinker, mm-hmm. and that's one thing. That I'm not held to one dem- or one political party or one right. one denomination. We like to think on our own, and uh, I- I'm proud of her for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't want her for her in order for her to make a decision that could possibly be life changing. I want her to give me the reasons why. Right. And if you can't expl- express the reasons why, besides, well, my friends are or everyone's doing it, mm-hmm. then you know, get back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, just you, you see these con- Antifa. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Half these people don't even know what they're protesting about, right. but it's once again it's groupthink and hive hive mind thinking. So, um, I think this push was probably something we needed to see. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah. not, I'm not seeing this praise like as gospel, but I, I think it just it, it shapes in, a, in just a very micro controlled situation about how our culture is today. How it can be so yeah. manipulated so quick and just on, on just a singular level like that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, what the beginning intro had said that. Uh, being part of a group has been healthy for humanity, but what happens when that group gets manipulated so that they can do basically whatever, whoever's manipulating that and puppeting that, um, that can make anybody do anything really at this point. And, and we, we all sit there and think, well, well, there's no way that I would ever murder somebody, 
But in this case, I mean, the the social pressure and group pressure of that made some made some folks do it. No, absolutely. And I think uh, I think that group I, can't, I call it groupthink or hive mind, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, I think it can move societies. Yeah. I mean, people people are looking for something to belong to, like you said. It's just a basic human instinct yeah. um, where people, you know, for hundred for thousands of years, we only had maybe a hundred associations. We but we mm-hmm. had a community of a hundred people. Right. So we we look for that group. And whatever that group wanted to do, if they want to pack up and leave or if they wanted to settle, settle down, that, that's yeah. what the group did. I mean, they, that was their whole world. Yeah. So people just looking, for, looking to belong. But, yeah, I think, you're, I think the show was probably spot on for today's culture right now. Yeah. No, I think even, it was, though, even though it's two years old or whatever, a year and a half old. Yeah. I, th- I mean, go check it out if you haven't, haven't checked it out. Please do. The push on Netflix will cost you like what, like seven bucks or ten bucks or thirteen bucks a month or something like that. So, <laughs> or, you can, or you can legally stream it. <laughs> it's well worth it just for Netflix. Could you imagine life without Netflix? That would be so rough. Man, Netflix has so much good stuff coming out. You're you're not kidding. I mean, it's just you turn on a new day and they have a new show on. It's awesome. I'm gonna need Stranger Things to hurry up. By the way, <laughs> I don't even have enough time to watch TV anymore. It's awesome. Though. <laughs> All right, so we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have Jay Turner with us. He is writer, director, author with us in studio. So we'll be back. This is the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Hey, guys, it's me, Bigging. Summer is made for grilling and chilling, and you too can be the baddest mother smoker on the block using our favorite award-winning smoking sauce. Bad Mother Smokers is perfect match for that favorite meat, veggies, or even that secret ingredient in a pot of chili. Check out BadMotherSmokers.com to place your order, and if you want to be a barbecue pit master like Mojo, enter the promo code MOJO for 10% off your order. Visit BadMotherSmokers.com or the sponsor section of our website at SouthernFriedPhilosophy.com. Well, uh, actor, writer, director, philosopher, philosopher, comedian, comedian, car wash attendant, sexy commercial producer. Yeah. Also work at Food Line every other Sunday. And Food Line worker every other Sunday. Give it up for Mr. Jay Turner. His business card is so many letters. <laughs> In the process of rebranding it, we focus on doing uh, video content campaigns for businesses that focus on the sole mission of the videos actually converting into sales for businesses. Um, instead of instead of a company just hiring a production company to come in and shoot a video, pan left, right, they don't really care. They just want to get paid to do video. but. Mm. I want the videos should convert into sales. They should make people interested in the business, um, and that's our that's our sole focus. Um, and then we I just started another business called Food Reels, which is just mm. primarily just for restaurants and uh, bars if if they want to they have like an extensive drink menu. Um, I did a project with the local Instagram influencer last year, and we did we filmed over thirty restaurants, and they all dang and and send, like said that they'd love to have video every month and stuff like that. Whoa. So it's so basically I, food porn. Yeah. Well, yeah, in a sense, but also again, it's kind of having that ideology from model VP that it's n- not just food porn. Like uh, people should highlight characteristics of the restaurants, you know, mm. what makes the restaurant different than a comp- than the competitors. Why should people come there kind of thing? Um, but it's just specifically for restaurants, but they can do stuff every month as to where model VP gotcha. is. Uh, companies hire model VP to do, um, a content campaign which is consists of six videos and then um it's just a, a a campaign and then you're done you know okay so is it like a just a really really sexy commercial 
I tend to think so. Okay. Uh, depending on who's in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a food video or a restaurant video, you don't need to have good-looking people. You so, don't. Yeah. But, I mean, just like it's it's really – because I saw one of one of yours for like a, a car – I think it was a car detailing mm-hmm. and it was like a legit like yeah. really sexy commercial like yeah. it didn't have sexy people in it but it was just a really was cool very, well very well, well done well oh. well made commercial yeah well i mean uh that comes from film um you know ever since i got my i've always been interested in telling stories and every a business is a story because mm-hmm. behind a business is someone that started it and yeah. they have a reason why they want you know they have their own um brand what what they want to get across and the video should do that so if you look hard enough in a business if you look hard enough at a business and get to know the business well enough there's almost nothing really that you have to do except push record uh it's it's kind of like shooting a sunset in the middle of the desert just push record you can't screw that up mm. you know what i mean like no, it's, I, it's already there i probably could i could tell you right now i could make that happen <laughs> no I, I think i think filmography and stuff is, a, is an art oh yeah no because doubt. it's amazing how much probably minutes you have to roll just for say a three-minute clip mm-hmm. you know and then yeah. splicing it all together and stuff so i i'm fascinated by just filmography i, I just i think it's an art form just yeah. like a painting or music i think it's just i think it's an art form so yeah no doubt i believe that too ever i mean it's it's a form of storytelling, and storytelling has been around since the dawn of man. Mm. You know, we're just we just live in an age where we actually have tools to be able to bring that story to life, other than vocals. You know? Yeah, yeah. Good. So, that, so with that filmography experience, how did that inspire you to write your own script for a movie? I guess, or how did how did that play out? What was the thought process of, okay, I, I do this, and then here's a movie idea. Yeah. So. Um, I just you just I'll just start from yeah from, go from the beginning go from the beginning my man um so I I've got pictures I mean growing up I always played characters uh you know I I I've got this one my grandmother has this one picture um that I told, it's probably a blackmail picture but it's it's got a it's a picture of me with like these um chaps that are supposed to fit like a two year old but I'm like five in the picture so they're like halfway up my shin like a pair of capris sure. or something and they're like red and they have white white stars on them and then I have Bart Simpson a slip bedroom slippers on with hey, one tube sock and no sock on the right foot <laughs> and then I'm holding like a western pistol and then like I have it's just a, a collection of different things whatever I found in the toy box sure and um but I've always found entertaining people to be um kind of my niche and then i got my first camera when i was 12 and then i started filming like these home uh scary parrot like <laughs> horror movie parody uh videos and stuff oh, like wow. that like um <laughs> and, and i just started doing that on the weekends because i grew up in sports and that was like my main focus always growing up okay and then when i got to 16 um i had a couple colleges looking at me um for basketball actually and but at 16 i had uh, knee replacement surgery mm. and that kind of took away any possibility of um, scholarships and i had all this this drive and ambition that i've been putting into sports my entire life uh, primarily basketball and i didn't know where to to, to direct that and then mm. um i hooked up with a, a friend of mine that was a, a we kind of met in in school and i knew he was a film buff and i went over and hung out at his house one day and he started showing me all these films, introducing me to like Jean-Luc Godard, uh, 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 John Borman, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Scorsese, and all this stuff. And I just fell in love with movies because going back, growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. And mm. 
I grew up watching like James Cagney and and, and John Wayne and, and yeah. all of these guys, and I always loved movies. And then I had the film camera. I needed to direct this energy, this focus into something, and this newfound love for film. So at 16, all that meshed together turned into my first film called Never Goes Away, hmm. which when I made that, I just finished reading uh, The Scarlet Letter in English class. And so I decided to make a sequel to that, but a modern adaptation. <laughs> and how and what, old were you? I was 16. And um, and then that film, I entered it into the New York International Film Festival where they only accept 300 films from all over the world. And it got accepted. <laughs> And oh uh, to this day, I don't know how it did because my camera, I shot on a high camera, which is like a step down from VHS. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I didn't have no budget. I casted people that have acted in theater. No one had film experience whatsoever. There was no budget. I had to mow a gra- I had to mow my grandpa's grass a couple times <laughs> to get enough money to build a steady cam out of metal from Home Improvement. And oh that was gosh. it. And it got accepted in, in in the New York Film Festival, I did. It played at the the Juilliard, uh, the Lincoln uh, Center at Juilliard. Oh wow! And um, I got to go to New York, and my uncle Chan he uh, he went to Juilliard actually, and he directs Broadway and like off Broadway plays and stuff all over the world. So he actually lived in Manhattan. He still does. Um, so I had a place to stay because mm-hmm. m- my family couldn't afford to put me up in a hotel for a whole week and stuff like that. Yeah. And so when I went up there. Um, it was the first time I've seen New York. So I remember actually getting off the plane. My uncle picked me up. We took a taxi into into New York into, um, and then took a subway downtown. We come out of the subway. As soon as we come out of the subway in Soho, they were actually filming my super ex-girlfriend with Emma Thurman and Luke <laughs> Wilson. And it was just like, okay. Like, it just, I don't know, it just kind of reaffirmed. Saturday. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I'm from, you know, I grew up in Drexel, North Carolina, and which is, it literally is a town with one stoplight, you know. And <laughs> 10 minutes uh, south of BFE. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> so when I got there, um, you know, I got to watch, uh, my uncle let me stay in like, like on the borders of the set and stuff like that. And I just mm-hmm. watched, and the more I watched, the more I fell in love. And then actually, well, well, yeah, because I just was before I went there, um, you know, Kill Bill had already come out. Oh, wow. And that was like my favorite film. Gotcha. And so, um, but anyway, I stayed after the set, and Luke Wilson and Uma Thurman came over and was like signing autographs and, and shaking hands and stuff like that. Um, I got to shake Luke Wilson's hand, and I got to say hey to Uma. Uh, <laughs> I think I might have had something in my eyes that told her not to shake my hand. <laughs> you know, but it well, just, you're 16. So yeah, yeah, that. no. And then um, we had the festival, but I'm sitting here watching some of these movies in the festival had over a million dollar budget. Hmm. <laughs> and the more I watched mine, when it finally came time to watch my film in the theater, it's packed house, like 250 some odd people. It's packed house. I'm sitting up front. By the start of the movie, I'm sitting straight upright in in the chair. Yeah. By the end of it, my back is in the bottom part of the chair because I'm just so embarrassed by it's oh, no. like because I've seen all these films that are fantastic and, yeah. and mine is in black and white, high eight. <laughs> it's grainy. The sound is kind of off. And then it finally hit me because people were laughing during the film and it's a it's a drama and thriller. <laughs> Well, that's not good. Yeah, and then to the end of it, I finally got it. I was like, I think they accepted it because they were like, this is a comedy. Who would dare to shoot on a high eight and then put it in black and white? And it it, it kind of reminded me of that like Ash vs. Evil Dead, you know, Army of Darkness type yeah. thing where they, they filmed it to be serious, but it's like a classic comedy cult film. Right. Um, so there was that. And then 
they were also wrapping up a uh, B-roll for um, World Trade Center. And my, my uncle had a friend, uh, Chris Savos, that was working on the second unit of like filming B-roll for that movie. And so I got to go tag along on that. Oh, wow. um, and that whole experience was uh, – came back, you know, just – yeah, you know, on top of the world. Jacked. Yeah, and then, um, and then a year later, I made a film called uh, "A Tomorrow," which uh, follows four characters that are involved in a drunk driving accident, and hmm. I made that uh, for the local town and stuff like that um, to to really kind of highlight drinking and driving because prom was coming up, and mm-hmm. the the. School system ended up playing the movie to all the high schools, like uh, on everyone met in classes, mm. like their homerooms or whatever, right. and they put it on the televisions and showed that whole movie to like all the different high schools. While you were still in high school, yeah, while I was there, wow. you can. I, I don't. I was told, like I think a couple of years ago, the librarian was a big supporter of mine, uh, Peggy Poe, and shout out um, to Peggy. Yeah, she. Uh, she told me a couple of years ago before she retired that there's a VHS of that movie still in the library. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I thought that was neat. Um, Let's go check it out. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's wow. that's kind of the beginning. Um, and and that led to the Forgiven um, coming into place. Well, I, the Forgiven is is kind of so. I had that movie, and then I went into college. Uh, I helped start the Appalachian Film Festival. Um, I don't know if it's still running. I know there's a, a Boone Film Festival that my friends at Wonderland Woods actually. Uh, run but i was into film we went up to new york and shot some shorts film i was all about film um and then when i got out of college i went into the the air force there was something personal that happened in my life at that point and then um uh after college i went into the air force mm. and then after the air force i came out and i hadn't done i'd kind of given up on movies um after that that event happened and when i got out i came back i moved to the beach and then um I moved back to to, to Charlotte, and uh, I started working as assistant golf pro at Rocky River, um, <laughs> nice. and uh, that's what I was doing. And then it just hit me. I was just like, I just I can't get rid of this itch. I, 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 this is what I was meant to do, mm-hmm. I believe. And so I quit my job, and uh, had a couple of months worth of bills saved up, mm-hmm. uh, and I wrote the script. I got people involved, and then I went out and raised uh, you know close to thirty thousand dollars. Wow to make the movie. Um, but like when I quit, I didn't really have, it was literally jumping off a cliff wow. and, and hoping that, <laughs> you know, some wings would sprout out or something yeah. would come and save me. And um, I can't tell the number of times we've heard that before. It yeah. just like, I, this is what I feel like I'm called to do and I'm just going to go do it. It mm. blows my mind. And that's, that's, a, that's an awesome, it's a legal awesome faith. Thing. Yeah. I think, I think everybody has that ability. Um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of motivational videos and stuff like that and speeches mm. and, I believe when you – in order to achieve what – anybody can achieve what they want to achieve, and I really feel like that's true. And I feel like how it's possible because people ask, you know, how do you do that or how do you do this? Um, not to me, to me right. but like in right. general. And I think just a simple answer. If you have any comfort zones or any comforts in your life, you have to remove those. Mm-hmm. And you have to physically put yourself like – well, not physically, but like <laughs> you, like you actually have to put yourself in a corner where you have no options but to go mm-hmm. forward. And you'll amaze yourself at what you're able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, work ethic equals results, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel like it's – I'm any – special or like any different than, than anybody else. But if, if you want to be successful, you, you have to put yeah. in. If you work half work. as hard for your employer as you would for yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. you'll be doubly successful. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that. So, 
Um, but also you find what you're uniquely wired and gifted at. And yeah. everyone has something like that. I mean, that's the reason why we have landscapers because right. they, they're uniquely yeah. wired to do that. I mean, people find geometry interesting, so they go out and learn how to <laughs> weld. I mean, you right. know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. just you, you find out what you're uniquely wired and your skill set is and you do it. Is so. there a job for napping? Because I'm really good at that. Well, actually, the the Cuddlers Association. Oh, man. You, know, you, get, yeah. you get paid to do that. <laughs> Dude, so, like, what's it like to, to like, write a movie and act in it and then just, like, I asked you this the other day, like, how do you, like, just sit in a theater and does that not blow your mind? Like, I can't wrap my mind around writing something, mm-hmm. then directing it, and then acting in it, and then just seeing it up on the, the big screen. Like, that just blows my mind. It's um, well, it blows my mind how you put this podcast together as well. Well, it's uh, just I can't luck. do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious. Like I don't. I mean, um, I don't spend too much time thinking about it because it's just yeah, what I love it's just to what do, you do. What I huh. love to do. Um, but I will say, lesson learned on the forgiven. Well, see, when I grew up and I started making movies and stuff in that area, no one was interested. No one. Yeah. And so I had to wear a lot of hats if I wanted to do that, and mm. I kind of learn that so i i took that into the forgiven um you know and plus everyone the investors like everyone was looking at me so i felt like if something's going to go wrong it needs to be my fault so mm-hmm. i had a hard time kind of delegating which i've learned that on the next project mm-hmm. i work on i've learned delegation you know i've matured and and learned that you can't wear all the hats and you have to give some stuff up but um it actually at the at the premiere of the forgiven at the theater my mom had to force me to go inside and watch because mm. I didn't want to. Yeah. And I still had that fear from when I was 16 that because uh, yeah. if once you do a project, once it's done, you need to just move on. Yeah. Learn, learn whatever you need to learn and move on because you'll sit in that theater and go, Oh, that's terrible. I should have changed this. I should have mm. done this. I should have done this. Um, but it, it was very rewarding. I feel like, um, because if you work really hard at something, if there's no reward, then what is it for? Yeah. You know, and you you can't be afraid to reward yourself, and you can't be f- afraid to to be um, confident in yourself and, yeah. and uh, say, "Hey, I did that." It's not arrogant, you know, or or um, pretentious, um, you know, as long as you're not saying that you're, you're better than other people. All right. Um, but yeah, it was very rewarding. It was really weird because I grew up uh, watching movies in that movie theater, uh, and it was <laughs> it was really neat. Very what cool. theater? What theater was that? Just curious. It was at the Marquee Cinemas Theater in Morganton, and then they they played it to another theaters throughout the state, and then up north. So cool. I have a running relationship with them now. That uh, I mean, whatever project I work on, it, it'll it'll get into the awesome. theaters. Awesome. Nice. Um, so what's next for you? Like you're you're working on the sexy commercials, and you've, and you've got your <laughs> yeah. production company. Well, that's the thing. Is like after I did the movie, it was like I don't really want to work for anybody else, and <laughs> so it's like okay, I can film stuff, uh, marketing and consulting and, and things like that. I taught myself, and then I just you know I was lucky enough to meet Brian and Ron here, you know, and uh, they really helped cultivate. Uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for them. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a college here. So. <laughs> If anybody has a business or wants to start a business, you know they they definitely need to get up with them. But um, I'll consider that the HB five plug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's the whole point of the business. I'm trying to save up and and put together my own uh, fund, uh, a budget for the film because it's it's not really fun having to depend on other people to pay for it. Mm. Um, you know, but that's 
people don't realize how tough it really is to actually get a film made, never yeah. mind the yeah. actual production. Um, because the secret to really making at an independent level, before you can even consider what you want to do, you have to have a back end. Mm. And uh, especially if you're dealing with other people's money. Um, so it's it's really difficult picking out what you think will, will do well, but also what you want to make so you don't sacrifice that artistic integrity. Yeah. Um, but I, there's a couple projects up in the air right now. Uh, there's um, one called The Chaplain that's actually based off of one of my friend's book that he wrote called In His Hands, hmm. which he – he went. Through, he's had uh, testicular cancer. He's got uh, mm. diabetes. Uh, he was in a, involved in a plane explosion that blew up in Valdez. Um, he's been in like auto, like he's been. It's kind of like the story of Job. And mm. so I took the book and and kind of um, spiced it up just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, because that needs spicing yeah. up. There's that project, and then that's the, too boring. <laughs> there's there's also the Forgiven too. Um, you know, I wrote the sequel, and it's up on Amazon. Um, because people kept wanting to see the sequel, mm-hmm. and you just it's 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 a whole lot tougher than that to get you know the film made. Like I said, <laughs> right. so Let me just I just whip out the sequel right here. Well, it's just like I, I might as well give them something. You yeah, know? but um, so there's and you those wrote two. that one too as well, right? Yeah, I did. Wow. Where um, where can anyone see the Forgiven the first one? Well, that's uh, that's also what I'm working on right now. So after the film was done. Uh, like playing in theaters, I wanted to get it distributed, mm-hmm. and so um, I contacted everybody under the sun, every distribution company you could think of, and I got told no for a couple of months. Um, had conversations uh, uh, with the owners of Pure Flix, um, you know, and everything. I, the same thing. I got told the same thing over and over. the The film is really good. Um, there's a couple of sound issues, but the main thing is there's no stars in it, so it's hard for mm. us to push it. And that's what I heard. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to spend a couple of grand and make some hard copies, sell it, and then just, you know, rinse and repeat. But then out of the blue, um, uh, this fella got a hold of me and introduced me to a a mid-level distribution company. They really loved the film and they wanted to push it. And so I signed a contract with them. uh, And that was that was going to be it was nationwide. So it was going to be like in select targets, Walmarts, depending on the, the parts of the country that. Hey, buddy. That people would actually watch that, right. uh, uh, you know, faith-based films and stuff like that. And so, but then I got hung up on some sound te- uh, difficulties, and um, it pushed us back from the deadline to get in the pipeline, what they call the pipeline. And um, then Sony Pictures came in and bought out this company, and mm-hmm. anybody that wasn't in a pipeline, the the contract got voided. It and they could do that but while i was under that contract i couldn't share the movie i couldn't put it out on dvd i couldn't do anything like that and so that's where i'm at now now i'm free of the contract and it's just about finding the right um platform there's a couple of ones that i'm talking to right now um trying to figure out what's the best for the film and so I want to get it up. I can get it up on Amazon, but they it's just kind of do it yourself. So I want to find some people that um are going to help push it a little bit, you know. Um Have You heard this little company called Netflix? <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about them or not. Yeah, those those, those guys are very selective. It's really weird, man. They sure. are, are they really? I've seen some horrible movies on Netflix, yeah, man. They'll let good films go and put in bad ones. It's 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 all about money, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, that's where artists really kind of <clears throat> walk that line between you know artistic integrity and, and the business side of it yeah so we'll we'll be waiting for for release on that when that's just let us know and yeah. we'll let yeah. people know 
I'm excited because I, I want to see. I saw the trailer of it, and I'm like, hey, I want to watch this movie. Yeah. But one of the things that you do is specifically is like these faith based films. So why why that? Like why is that so important to you? Um, not probably for the obvious reason because <laughs> I'm I'm not a pastor. I'm not looking right. to save anybody or anything right. like that. Um, artists need to reflect their environment. You know, it's like what Ice Cube said for the NWA. You know, it's, um, <laughs> uh, art should re- be reflective of your environment. Yeah. But also, as a filmmaker, um, things that you're interested in, you need to explore. So if you mm-hmm. have a question about something, hmm. you, you're supposed to use film as, kind of as a director to use the film to explore it and to present mm-hmm. uh, this, this, these questions to, to the public. Yeah. And so faith-based films, I don't make them in the general sense that – or I'm not interested in making them in the general sense okay. of, of – you know, given the you know Christians or, or whatever, uh, you know, something like that is – as crappy as that may sound, <laughs> right. um, but I like to take things that I was taught and put them to the test, mm. and uh, hopefully raise questions for other people. Yeah. And um, you know, when someone walks out of the movie, if I don't care if they love it or hate it, as long mm. as they feel some kind of emotion, then I've succeeded. Yeah. Um, if I can take it one step further and cause a conversation, mm. that's that's even better. And if I can take yeah. it even further and what? get someone to realize, well. I don't. I didn't realize that about myself. I didn't know that I thought that, or what would I really do? And then they grow as a human being, and I yeah. feel like that's what film is supposed to do. Yeah. And so with the forgiven, um, it was you know I've heard all my life. Well, you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to forgive. Turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. you know. And then the Sandy Hook thing happened, where the parents forgave the shooter of the Sandy Hook, and that mm-hmm. just blew me out of the water. And I was like, you know, what if? And mm-hmm. like, what would be something that would be really hard to forgive somebody? Yeah, and that's why I decided the main character was going to rob the church, <laughs> and uh, and then the church has to decide whether or not to forgive yeah. him. And in wow. the movie, it's never clear cut what I believe. Yeah, um, should have happened. I leave it open ended for people to discuss. See, I and, like that. And in the there's a scene with the pastor is speaking with uh, his council. And or the deacons, mm-hmm. and half of them say forgive him, and half of them say don't, and they both make compelling arguments, mm-hmm. and that's how I decided to write it. Was you know I'll, I'll have conversations with people, you know, it's like in this situation, what would you do? Yeah. And I, I gather all this information and I just I put it together, and so yeah. um, you know it deals. There's other subplots in the film, but I like to take things from the Bible and yeah. and put them to the test, nice. uh, you, you know, because I feel like. You know, you're not supposed to. I've heard you're not supposed to question God or the Bible and stuff. But to me personally, I think that's that's what he wants. Yeah, because that's know. how you find him. Yeah, if you don't ask questions of how to get to somewhere, you'll never get there. Yeah, exactly. and that's the whole point. Is I, you know, you, you can't love blind. You can't appreciate unless you really get to know someone. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have a relationship with my wife as deep as it is if. If we just like hung out and we didn't ask any any questions, or we don't, you know, push each other, or we don't like try to challenge each other, so no, I. Well, that's you know, in the Bible it talks about iron iron sharpens iron. That's with relationships. Yeah, you know, tension creates uh, a sharper edge. Yeah, it creates stronger. Um, Same thing with God's word. I think that's where we got to sometimes question God's word. Like, does the verse really mean this, or what in the context? Because the the word will stand the test of time. It has for two thousand years. So, you know, why yeah. not continue doing that? So I, I appreciate the conflict. I, yeah. Tension and conflict is what makes makes us stronger yeah. in relationships, okay. word, politics, the universe, whatever. So Yeah. yeah. That actually reminds me there was another there's another project that's in the um it's called Not by Sight. And I actually it's this it's about this uh hus- the 
the wife is in the Marine Corps. She gets shot, and uh, she's mm. overseas on a tour and brought it home. And in that, it's like usually the man. Well, I wanted to make it the female just to mm-hmm. flip it just because. Yeah. And um, she comes home, and in this, throughout the story, they have like a, an autistic daughter that's really kind of tough on – that makes it tough on the relationship. Mm-hmm. But they're admits to having a divorce. Well, they separate. And by the end of the film, they come back together. Spoiler alert. Well, by the end of the film, they come back together and basically decide – to get divorced. Hmm. And it doesn't end with a happy ending because life doesn't end that way. Yeah. You know? And that's the whole point of, of films are supposed to question. You're not supposed yeah. to be able to go, oh, I saw that coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and, love the, I hate when I'm like, oh, I saw this like a yeah. 40 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so that's kind of, you know, in the Christian world, you're not supposed to divorce. But it, it, that's just it, – it, film is all about exploration. Yeah, you know. So you're like the M Night Shyamalan of Christian music. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I'm that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're gonna uh, wrap this up. I do have uh, a game that we play. We call uh, Ten in One Riot. I'm gonna ask you ten questions and see if you can get them in under a minute. Do you think you want to try it? Let's go for it. <laughs> All right, here we this go. is like Family Feud. I love it. Yeah, basically. All right, Spielberg or Tarantino? Tarantino. Best movie snack food. Pizza. Uh, in your best actor face, show me pensive. Oh, there you go. Uh, famous. Fa- I it was constipation. <laughs> Final four. Who you got? Final four. Yeah. Uh, Duke, UNC, um, Michigan, West Virginia. Okay, I don't know if that's possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you? Uh, can I? Can we sell you on these five words? Southern fried philosophy. The movie. Yes. Okay. Uh, craft services or craft mac and cheese? Craft services. Uh, who is your favorite actor? John Wayne. Uh, favorite movie ever? Did I ask that one? Rio Bravo. All right. And your last question, what is your spirit food? Spirit food? Yeah. Everybody has a spirit animal. What's your spirit food? Steak. Wow. All right. Well, good job. Congratulations. You got it. I like me some steak, too. <laughs> well, uh, actor... Writer, director, philosopher, philosopher, comedian, comedian, car wash attendant, sexy commercial producer. Yeah. Give it up for Mr. Jay Turner. Thank where, you where, where can they find you if they want to contact you on the social medias to, for uh, food reels or VIP models or <laughs> whatever? They can go on Instagram, uh, Outlaw Director on Instagram or uh, on Facebook. They can uh, message me on Model VP. And then they can actually go and like the Forgiven on Facebook. It's still up. Did you say, what, what, what was Outlaw? Producer? Outlaw director. Dude, that's legit. Yeah. I wish I was the outlaw director. We could make you the outlaw podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Dot common. That's right. right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jay. We appreciate Dude, you coming thank on. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right. So that was Jay Turner. Appreciate him uh, being on the show. Yeah, very interesting story. Uh, Mojo, what'd you learn? Oh, well, uh, anyone can be a filmographer. No, just kidding. I guess, I guess I learned that I can't be a filmographer because I have no desire and I, I just it amazes me how these how these guys do this and gals do this so. yeah um i learned do not put your dog in an overhead bin That's i learned, one thing I learned, I learned. that parking lots still suck <laughs> i learned uh, don't push somebody off of the side of a building yeah or you you might end up in prison for that so or somebody it, might, might be playing a trick on you so it's, it's your roll of the dice the other thing i learned is uh everybody be aware, there could be the Southern Pride philosophy of the movie coming soon. Ooh, who would play, who would play us? <laughs> I'm going to go with Will Smith for me. Good choice. <laughs> who's who's going to play you? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with James Earl Jones. We're going to flip this thing up.
All right, we could switch it up. I could be like, uh, I, I wouldn't mind Morgan Freeman. Oh, that would or be Denzel. good. Denzel. Look, I, I think Denzel would make a sexy me. Yeah. What if What if I went for um, Gina Davis? <laughs> now we're just Why being the crazy. Hell would you? <laughs> All right. So that was another episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Yeah, please go check out our podcast at Southern Fry Philosophy on uh, iTunes, Google Play, mm-hmm. and Stitcher. You can also find us on the YouTube.com slash SFPU Radio. You can also go to our Facebook at Southern Fry Philosophy and also our website at Southern Fry Philosophy.com. We appreciate you guys as always. And as always, keep it rolling.